Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A month ago, one lucky chap in Florida, probably my least favorite state in America, he hit a single winning ticket for the Mega Millions Lotto and won over 1.1 billion US dollars. At that point, you don't have to think about money for the rest of your life. If you get a financial advisor and a CPA, your kids and your kids and your kids' kids don't have to worry about money. Now, most of the time, these people go broke. I can't imagine someone winning $1.1 billion going broke in their lifetime, but I wish you luck, Florida man. Don't spend it all on exotic pets and gators. But what if you won like a smaller lotto? What if you hit $100,000 or $200,000? You'd still be really happy, but you'd have to go to work the next day and you'd want to be wise with that lump of newfound money. And on today's show, we are going to go over what you could, should, and might do if you had, let's say, $100,000 to $200,000 drop into your checking account overnight. I'm going to pull some wisdom from old episodes and see if we can get some good advice from those ideas that I've been recording over the last year. Or is this show a total waste of time and I do not have any idea what I'm talking about? We're going to find out. You're listening to My Millennial Investor, the show where I search the financial world for the most up-to-date investment ideas, market trends, and income streams, so you don't have to. I'm your host, Nick Bradley. Let's get into it. So welcome to the show. Today we have a special guest, Eric Flambert. Uh, is our guest today, a longtime friend of mine. And Eric did not just win the lottery, but Eric, you are coming into a bit of money. Give us some brief history of that. Sure. Uh, in 2009, when uh, the American housing crisis was going on, just so happened that my wife and I were looking for our first house. We bought one. It was bank owned. It had been foreclosed on. We renovated it and Lived in it for uh, about five years. It's been a rental for six or seven years. And now it's to the point where it's a great house for somebody that wants it, but it's a kind of a high-maintenance property, so we're selling it. So we're selling it next month. We'll be closing uh, for $375,000 sales price. We purchased it for $121,000 in 2009. Granted, some of that's sweat equity, but also the housing market has gone up significantly, and that's why it's time for us to sell it and use that money in a different way. Now, a lot of that sweat equity. How many times have you flipped this individual house? That's true. We did we we did a big rehab when we moved in, and we did a lot of projects finished up before we moved out and started renting it. And this past year, I've done a lot of work to the property bathroom, kitchen update, and um, we did stuff that needed done when we bought it. We just didn't have the money originally. So we painted it. We put on a new porch, a lot of work, and now we get paid. I know, I know, but our audience doesn't know. This is one of how many rentals in your vast, nearly Donald Trump portfolio? Vast. 
This was one of four rental units. We have a duplex, a condo, and then this house plus our home. So that will leave us with some money to invest some of it into our other rentals now to get them updated so that they're going to be great rentals and possibly a down payment on a future rental. I'm just not ready for a project quite yet. So, in the U.S. housing market is hot right now. We we live in Columbus, Ohio, which is one of the faster growing regions of the Great Lakes area. Some people call it the Midwest. Eric, you are from Columbus, Ohio. I'm a West Coast guy. Do you describe Ohio as a Midwest state? Yeah, I I guess I do. I mean, I describe Ohio in a lot of ways. I don't normally, I don't normally use anything like Midwest. Yeah, most of our audience doesn't look at a U.S. map. This is a Australian-based show. I like to call Ohio Middle East. Okay, yeah, sure. Do you think we can get that pushed, like in that stick? Ohio is closer to New York and the Atlantic Ocean than it is Kansas or Iowa or wherever they end the Midwest. Well, so in my mind, I want to make a push to call Ohio the Middle East. And we're just going to leave that at that. Let's talk about your problem. You got a buttload of cash coming your way. Yeah. What are you going to clear after taxes and yada, yada, yada? Well, we going to end up clearing about 160 after we pay taxes. We're going to have to pay capital gains on this. I know. I don't know. Which is what? 15, 20%? 15%. We there are some ways to avoid capital gains tax, but it wasn't going to work for us. I don't I don't know that they have anything like this in Australia. But we have basically you can instead of taking the money, you can reinvest it into a, another rental property, and you won't have to pay income tax on your gains yet. It's deferred till until you sell the next property. We aren't going to do that because some of the rules are a little tricky here, and we would have to invest in a $400,000 rental, which isn't what we want to do right now. So we're going to pay taxes on the gains and try to invest that as as well as we can. And that's why you're here today. We're going to talk about some options. We're going to throw some ideas your way. But first, you are 39 in a few months, right? That's right. Okay, not in a few months, and a few 39 months. 39 and uh, one six. You are on the treadmill of life heading towards that magic number that everyone's trying to avoid, 40. I mean, you don't want to avoid it too much, then you, then you die. We don't want to do that yet. So in April of this year, 2023, I did an episode, Five Things You Should Have Fixed in Your 40s. Can I go over that list with you real quick, and you can tell me Absolutely. yes, no, or like, we're going to find out basically, this is a... Acumen test. How financially stable are you? I'm going to try to fix one or two of these before I even get to 40. I bet you've got a couple figured out. Okay. Some of these are simple. Some of these are like blow off. And this is all opinion-based, right? Like, So this was an episode that I had uh, researched with somebody and talked to the CPA, and this was like their list. So it may not be mine. It may not be yours, but it's just an, it's an idea. Here we go. Number one, Five things you should have fixed before you're 40. Define your ideal financial lifestyle. Keep it under a few minutes. Here's an idea. Like maybe your financial goal when you're 40 is to retire by the time you're 50. Maybe by the time you're 40, you want a house that's nice enough. You've already got that for a backyard for your kids to play, or you can host some friends for a nice dinner. You know, maybe you want money saved for private school for your kids. Maybe if you're like our mutual friend, Glenn, you buy a boat. Let's not buy the boat. But do you have an idea of what, Eric Lambert, your ideal financial lifestyle is? Sure. Realistically, my idea financial life right now is to make enough income 
that I don't have to worry about what comes next. We have enough. So we have enough income plus we have enough saved to absorb any big emergencies that would come up short term. We, we make enough money that we can go on vacations, like two, at least two vacations. The winters here are sad and they make me sad. So we try to get some sunshine, get some Caribbean uh, as much as possible. On top of that, we have a couple of used vehicles that we're happy with. We're, we're not brand new types of people, but I, if we had an average of two five-year-old vehicles, it'd be perfect. Um, ultimately, enough money that we could save to build towards a retirement that was going to be not working full-time, maybe working part-time doing things that I really like to do, but more than anything, have a second property in a warm location that we could both visit uh, live in part of the year and share with family and friends. That's ideal for me. Number two, have zero dollars in debt except your mortgage. Where do you fall on the debt spectrum? Well, we have zero dollars in debt except for our mortgages. Our <laughs> rental properties are mortgaged, and that's a conversation that we're going to have today about whether or not the best move for us is to pay off one of those mortgages or to invest and try and beat that interest. But uh, we don't have debt on anything else, our vehicles or consumer debt or anything like that. We'll call that a almost check mark. Almost. Number three, have a solid emergency fund. Personally, I think three months saved by the time you're 40 should be a goal for somebody. Where do you land on said emergency fund? Right now, we do not have... We're into probably weeks, maybe a month. We've chipped away at it over the last probably six months with this renovation. We were going to rent it, so we were trying. We had a date we were going to pick. We were going to rent it by that date, and then it turned into us selling it. So that added months onto that. We've been carrying that mortgage. Once we get this money, some of that money is going to go back to patent the emergency fund. But I think three months would be. Um, that's that would be ideal for us. That would be we yeah, could everybody has the their own kind of. Yeah. You work for the state. There's That's probably right. a less likelihood. Pretty that, secure. You know, you are worried about losing your job. Your wife only works like one weekend a month. So, like, even your emergency fund could her going back to work. That's like, right. You That's can really right. run on some slim margins. Well, plus we have a credit card that I think the. Uh, credit card limit is like $30,000 or something, which is insane. I just think it's it's funny that people use that for an emergency fund, and those funds are available, but God, please, I hope we never have to Listen, rack up thirty grand on our credit full card to transparency, survive. transparency, my emergency fund used to be a high-limit credit card also because the bank rates were so terrible that I was just investing all of the money into the market rather than have it. But now that we're up to about 5% interest. You know, I, I have a few months booked away. All right, let's keep going. Right. Have a solid emergency fund. That's three. Number four, have at least, and this one's going to be interesting for you, have at least five times your annual expenses in an investment account or retirement account. Five times my annual expenses in a retirement account. Now, we already said you work for the state, and that means you have a pension, not like a super or a 401k. That's right. So I don't even know if this one applies. Let's just move on. Forget it. Number five, estate planning and life insurance. 
You have either of those two set up. This is I, the last one. I do. I have I have life insurance. My wife also has life insurance. Both of us, I think, five hundred thousand each uh, term life. As far as estate planning goes, that is something that we've been we've been looking at a lot more this year than ever before. I I have three kids. I also, we both have aging parents, and that has come to the forefront of our kind of financial decision making this year is how, what does this look like if we die what does it look like for our parents and how do we build on that instead of just give somebody cash that disappears so we're going to be di- hitting that estate planning in the next 5 years pretty hard Eric I would say you're at least a 3.75 out of 5 you did well on the five things you need to be fixed before you're 40 we're going to take a quick break and after that we're going to find out Are you investment savvy? We know you're responsible with money now. Let's find out your investment savvy and what can we do to figure out this big old lotto problem you have. We'll be right back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Okay, welcome back. We are sitting with my friend Eric Lambert, who has recently decided to sell one of his rental properties. He has three more units still in rental, providing him monthly income, still has mortgages on those rentals. It's coming into about a hundred to hundred and sixty thousand dollars after he pays Uncle Sam, which is what we call the government here. So, what is Eric going to do with this money, and can we help him find a plan? Now, Eric, I know full transparency. You've told me in the past, and we've talked about it that you're not necessarily a huge fan of the stock market, and you like sticking to real estate for your investing. Can you give us a little bit of like your mind psychology of that, at least previous decision you've mentioned? Yeah, I can. I think. Pretty commonly, my main fear, I guess, with the stock market is that, one, I don't have control over any part of it besides buying or selling is how I feel. And two, I don't have nearly as much education on it as I do in real estate. Real estate, I've read books, I've owned property, I've I've renovated every square inch of every house so I know it completely and I feel really comfortable when I'm when I feel competent and I don't feel competent when it comes to stock, the stock market. So I'm assuming you listen to every episode every week in the last 50 some odd weeks. I've been doing this podcast. You've been getting more educated. Let's just let that roll. So I'm assuming since you're on today's show, you're willing to hear at least an option or two. Absolutely. I, I, uh, this is actually the first time we've ever sold a property. 
that's kind of a big deal because even emotionally for me to feel like I could sell a property means that I'm ready for something new. And here we are. Let's talk about some options for you. I didn't know the exact amount you had, so I put together a portfolio using $100,000, which I think fits well because the classic three fund portfolio, do you have any like basis for like that term, that verbiage? Not really. So the classic three fund portfolio is like designed to be an easy, broad market exposure, a set it and forget it. You're invested in basically everything and, it, and the three funds should be complementing and kind of protecting each other. The classic three fund portfolio is this. A fund one is a broad-based domestic equity fund. You, so you kind of got two options basically for U.S. You're looking at either the S&P 500, so you're buying an index that tracks, or a fund that tracks that index of 500 of America's largest companies, or Vanguard has a very popular fund called the VTI, the Total Market Fund, which is all, again, American-based companies, but there's 4,000. Every single company that is listed in the states that meets a certain market cap requirement. Like it can't be some teeny, teeny biotech company. It's got to be gotcha. the largest 4,000, and that rotates as the funds, as companies grow and shrink, uh, 4,000 funds in America. So either the S&P 500, the top 500 companies in America, or VTI, Vanguard's total market fund, which has 4,000 funds. So that would be the largest percentage of your three-fund portfolio. Fund two, then, you want to diversify that. And instead of just having equity in the domestic market, you want to get some international exposure. So hopefully if you know America is doing poorly, Australia and China and Brazil are doing well. So sticking with Vanguard, you could buy a fund called VXUS, which holds major companies that are not U.S.-based. Get this, there's 7,989 companies in this fund. So that gets you international exposure. None of those companies are headquartered in the U.S., Although some of it might, you know, they're going to make money when America makes money. Right. And then fund three is a bond portfolio. And the, the thing about the three fund portfolio is as you get older, you can sell off some of the equities. You can add more bonds. I don't really like bonds historically, and we're going to find out why here in just a second. I kind of like bonds right now. Yeah. And that's the okay. only reason I'm even like throwing a bond option at you. So let's just talk about the three funds real quick. Had you put or the the ten year for VTI performance, if you, the total performance over the last ten years for the total market fund from Vanguard is up one hundred and fifty nine percent. It also pays you a one point four six percent dividend yield. Similarly, the S and P five hundred fund over the last ten years is up one hundred and seventy percent, and then pays you a one point four three dividend. Now let's talk about the international. International of that almost 8,000 companies, its 10-year performance is 17.9. 17 17.9? I know. 17.9. So America has had a great 10-year run. This is August 2013 to August 2023. So I'm not cherry-picking. Like you've got all of 2022, like some bad year in there. You've also got the COVID dip of 2020. You've got... Uh, the bad Christmas years of 2018. So there's some like there's some history here, but internationally, over the last 10 years, 17.9 percent. Can you give me 20? Do you have 20 there? It is 
Can, well, now that doesn't include the 2.83% dividend yield. So I bet if you added that in, you would be over 20. Well, let's real quick. Is it is buying international as a part of this portfolio more of a higher risk, high reward, or is it more of a hedge against America just in case? Is it just... Historically, it's been a hedge, like uh, non-correlating assets is what they're looking for. But as the world is getting so small with globalization, I think some of the thought process and the thesis behind the three-fund portfolio is losing a little bit of its grip. I'm actually going to do an episode in a few weeks on the new three-fund portfolio. So, so what are you – you're selling me garbage? <laughs> you're new to the market. I'm trying to give you an easy okay, set-and-forget-it strategy. Lastly, the third – in the smallest portion of everyone's portfolio, unless you're like 99 years old, would be a total bond fund. And I think it's as easiest to do a domestic bond fund. So if you're in Australia, you do an Australian bond. In America, you're going to do an American bond fund. Vanguard has a fund called BND. It's an ETF, and it's supposed to be a flight to safety when equity markets are going nuts. But it is not proven to be that. Like, it's not doing well. Okay. So right now, good news for you. As someone who has a chunk of money, it's a good bonds are you might just want to say on sale. BND fund, which is a total market of aggregate bonds based in the United States of America over the last 10 years, is down 11%. 11% negative? Negative. So it's lost 1.1% wow. per year. Wow. Over that the last sound like a good deal. 10 years. It has a dividend yield of 2.82%. Okay. So that helps, but it's down 11%. So the bond fund is down 11% over the last 10 years, but it's got the dividend of 2.82, so it's saving you a little bit. So let's just look at – actually, before I get into that, I'm going to talk about performance. Like, What do you think? Three fund, off the get. I already told you it's, it's the old methodology. <laughs> but pretend I didn't say that. What do you think about the three fund portfolio? The, the three fund portfolio – sounds a little bit like when you choose one of the life cycle funds in your retirement. It's just kind of an easy thing. Then every year it kind of moves a little bit from the riskier side to the more conservative side automatically. Sure. It's not going to do it automatically, though. It's, well, this, this, is that one's, this one's yeah. not. R what are we talking percentage-wise? Are you thinking like 60, 30, 20? No, For 60, you, as a, 50, as a, 30, 20. As a 39-year-old, I built a portfolio before you came in with $100,000, uh, 98% equities, 2% bonds. And I really only threw the bonds in there because, like I already talked about, it being a three-fund, and it sounds yeah. dumb if you say three-fund, you only use two-fund. Okay. So option number one, I've got 80% in the total market VTI, okay. which is over 4,000 U.S.-based funds, 18% in the international total fund, which had 8,000 funds, and then 2% in the bond fund. And really, I wish I would have done a little bit more, but like this is what I would have done just because of the age. Okay. But I really do think the bond is a good buy right now. Like Historically, bonds have been blah. The new funds kind of taken bonds out. But the thing about bonds is they're tanking because everywhere across the world, central reserve banks are raising rates. And the bond fund holds bonds that are already purchased. So as rates rise, those bonds are worth less because their yield is worth less. So as they buy new bond funds with a higher ticker of like 4%, 5%, 5.5%, 5 
those and then as rates drop, those bonds are going to be more valuable. So the performance of BND is going to go up as soon as central banks start lowering rates. Which is going to be when? Let's say January to March next year. And they'll start lowering them the same rate they raised them? Either a quarter percent, half a percent. You know, Obviously, it's dependent. I think that the Federal Reserve in the States is going to raise probably again in September. They might pause okay. September and then raise again in like October, November. And then I think we are probably going to actually get to that recession that everyone has been talking about maybe early 2024. And in response to that, then they will actually start raising or lowering the rates. Therefore, the bond fund will go up. Does that muddy the water enough? Um, a little. So are we... So the bottom line is you're getting a 2% bond in this portfolio. Let's talk about what would have happened over the last 10 years. August 2013 to August 2023. You would have put $80,000 into VTI, the U.S.-based fund with 4,000 companies. That $80,000 would have turned into $246,783. Bam. Very good. VXUS, the international fund excluding U.S. companies, $18,000 would have turned into $28,162. Bam. The bond fund, your $2,000 in your flight to safety in bonds would have turned into $2,295. Now, I just said it lost 11% over the 10 years, but because you're getting a yield that was building back into that, you're going you're gonna to end up making $295. All right. Well, I mean, it's not nothing. It's so bad. It's only, okay, so it's bad, but it's bad for the last 10 years. The next 10 years are probably sure. going to look a lot different yeah. for the bonds and Maybe different for the American market. Yeah. So I did another one. So you've got, so your $100,000, if you'd invested it 10 years ago, diversified over those three funds, only 2% in a bond would have ended up being $277,000. That's a 27% year on year average. And that's a time frame from 2013 to 2023. Now that has been a great bull market run. Now there has been, you know, as I mentioned, some like ups and downs within that, but historically those have been great ten years. Like it, like you, when you're looking at a ten year portfolio or ten year return on the S and P five hundred or the VTI, you're thinking in your mind nine to ten percent per year. So the fact that you did twenty seven percent is probably out of the question, or is it? We don't know. Like years looking at past performance, trying to make a guess. So. I said, let's just randomly change it up, and let's go back different 10-year time frames. So I did the same portfolio without looking at the chart at all. I just threw in August 2009 to August 2019. So we know that it's going to be before the COVID dip in March of 2020, but is this a random 10-year that you would have been alive for? Okay. So here we go. The $80,000 in the VTI would have turned into $280,000. Okay. Actually, a better return. Sure. Uh, the international fund, $18,000, turned into just under $23,000. So it's actually $5,000 worse. Way to go, the rest of the world. Come on, get it together. Your bond fund, the $2,000 in your bonds, would have made $905 extra dollars. So you would have ended up with $2,905. Your $100,000 portfolio from 2009 to 2019 would have ended up 30.6% up per year, giving you a total of $306,000. Okay, how about this? Hit me. How about I'll put 
everything in my IRA and my TSP, which is a government IRA, basically, into this exact type of three fund yeah, portfolio. Yeah. What if I needed some of this money next year? I would not recommend investing it in any of these three things. Okay. If you have an actual time frame right now and you're just looking at like a certificate of deposit, you can get an 18-month or a 12-month at like 5.5% guaranteed. You can also buy a two-year treasury note. That's the baseline for free money across the world when you're looking at United States treasuries. That is the benchmark. I think you can get a two-year note over 475. I'll look it up real quick. Okay. You need to fill in and pretend to talk and be interesting. Yeah, 5% is uh, enough for me for the next year. I don't want to take it too risky if I need some of it. But some of it I don't need yet. And we do want to max out our IRA this year for both Amy and I. And we also want to – I don't know what the maximum is for the uh, 529, but we want to put some of it in I don't think there's a max to put in. There's just a max of what you can write off your taxes. Okay. Well, that would be the max then. Yeah. So the max you can do in your IRA is sixty five hundred, so that's thirteen thousand. And then you've got three kids and you just gotta figure out how generous you want to be with each kid. Let's say let's say two grand each. So that's fifteen, seventeen, nineteen thousand bucks. Maybe give me each another three hundred and thirty three dollars to make that an even twenty thousand dollars invested. And yeah, you could use the three fund portfolio for that sixty five hundred and for your kids. Because in Ohio, the 529 plan has Vanguard funds. So you can literally use each one of those three to make that happen. That makes me feel good. That makes me feel like this episode is worth it. And you're actually going to listen to my advice. And if it goes well, you can give me credit. And if it doesn't, we can blame the market. Let's put it on that calendar. August 28th is the recording date, 2033. God, I hope we are recording it in St. Lucia or San Juan. Or even Sydney, Australia. Let's 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 put it on the calendar. Yeah, we don't want to. We don't want them to think that. You know what are they? Chop liver? They yeah. Let's meet at Glenn's house. Okay. Now we're talking. Down in Newcastle or Merriweather or somewhere on the coast. I'm in. All right, Eric Lambert. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks for letting me jab your ear about the three fund portfolio. Thanks for the help. I think we I think we made some strides. I really do think it's a good idea. If you're interested in the new three fund portfolio, listen to the show. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. This has been My Millennial Investor, the show where I search the financial world for the most up-to-date investment ideas, market trends, and income streams, so you don't have to. I'm your host, Nick Bradley. This has been Eric Lambert. We'll see you next week. This podcast is produced and published by Oregon Trail Investor in the USA. All information is for entertainment purposes only. The brand My Millennial Investor is used under license. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.